I just hung on. I saw the other fellows fall and it didn't make me feel any too good. But there was nothing I could do about it. Septon to hang on tighter. I wouldn't do it again for love or money. Navy Apprentice Seaman C.M. Cowart, May 12, 1932. This was the USS Acorn, and this is the good, the bad, and the pure evil. Construction began October 31, 1929 in Iowa by the Goodyear Zeppelin Corporation. And because of its size, its huge size, much bigger than any other airship built in the US, a special hangar was built just for the USS Acorn. Size wasn't the only difference, helium was used instead of flammable hydrogen. This meant engines could be safely inside the hull. After design, construction and testing, August 8, 1931, Acorn launched in the hangar, floating freely off the floor. Its maiden flight was the afternoon of September 23rd and on October 27, 1931, it was commissioned as a Navy vessel. November 2nd, 1931, the Acorn left for her first cruise to Washington, D.C. November 3rd, it went into air with 207 passengers and crew. The weeks that followed, 300 hours aloft were recorded. Could you imagine the excitement, this huge 785-foot long floating ship? So January 1932, the Acorn left for a skating fleet exercise. It headed over the Atlantic to find a group of destroyers. When they found them, they were to shadow and report their movements. Now maybe I'm missing something, but surely this huge floating blimp would be seen easily. But maybe not. I mean, if you're a destroyer in the water, you probably don't look up. Anyway, bad weather prevented them finding the destroyers, at least at first. It wasn't until January 11th that the Acorn found USS Rayleigh and 12 destroyers. Eventually, it was released, achieving, quote, qualified success, end quote. But noted, it could have been better with scouting planes and radio detection. So all was going well, but February 22nd, 1932, coming out of the hangar, the tail came loose. Wind caught it and it hit the ground. The fin was damaged badly and needed to be repaired. Ground handling fittings were also ripped off and had to be fixed. Acorn wouldn't be airworthy again until late April. From the incident, mistakes were corrected having a turntable with a walking beam on electric tracks were made to secure the tail and give the ability to turn even in high winds so it could be pulled into the hangar. When it came back, it went into tests called spy baskets. And what this entailed was to have the acorn above the clouds hidden and suspended below was a small, which would be the lookout or eyes for the main ship. The first test had no men on board, instead had sandbags for the weight, but it swung so badly that it put the ship in danger. It would swing side to side, getting to the ship's equator or halfway up. It was tweaked to improve, but the spy basket was never used again. May 8, 1932, Acorn left for the US West Coast. May 11th, it reached San Diego and tried to moor, but it wasn't very well organized. There was no ground handlers and no special mooring equipment. 
by the time the crew had it somewhat together, the helium had warmed up by the sun and was lifting and lifting uncontrollably. Mooring cables were cut, most crew let go of the lines before they were pulled up, but three were lifted. Two plunged to their deaths and the third man, a man named Cowart, was eventually pulled on board the airship. August 22nd, while in training, another accident happened. Acon's tail fin became damaged after hitting a beam, but quickly the repairs were done and it did eight more flights over the Atlantic. April 3rd, 1933, Acon cast it off along New England's coast. It was going to help with col uh, collaborations of radio direction finder stations. It left about half seven in the afternoon, but soon hit bad weather and dense fog, which didn't improve. Lightning and heavy rain had Acorn in bad turbulence at about 12.15 a.m. Then bam, its nose dived to 1,100 feet. Uh, ballast was dumped and it was stabilized at 700 feet and reached back up to 1,600, but again dived quickly, 14 feet per second. It went down tail first and the lower fin hit the sea, water exploded in and the stern was dragged under. The engines pulled it into a nose high altitude and the acorn stalled and crashed into the sea. Quickly the acorn broke into pieces and sank. A merchant ship which was nearby, it was the German Phoebus and it saw lights falling at about 12.25am. But they believed it was an airplane crash, not an airship. Just before 1am, the Lieutenant Commander, and Mr. Wheelie, was pulled from the waters along with Chief Radio Man Copeland, Boatswain's mate Dell, and Aviation Metalsmith uh, metal Irwin. Copeland was unconscious and never regained it back, and he sadly died. Phoebus searched in boats for hours for more survivors. The Navy blimp J-3 was sent to help, but it too succumbed to the deadly wet, uh, weather and also crashed, killing two aboard. At 6am, US Coast Guard arrived and took the survivors and Copeland's body. Most of the casualties were from drowning and hypothermia since there was no life jackets and it all happened so quickly, no rafts could be deployed. 73 people died in the Acon accident. Acon's accident was the beginning of the end for the airship in the US Navy. Acon is the largest loss of life in any airship crash. From the accident, other airships were given life jackets in hopes to avoid the same fate. This was proven when the airship Macon was damaged in a storm in 1935 and sank. This time though, 70 of 72 crew survived. In 1986, the National Underwater and Marine Agency believes they found the wreck using sonar scanning. No divers were sent down, but electronic equipment was used to record a 700 feet debris filled of beams and metal frames. This is believed to be the frame and debris of the USS Acorn. And that is the story of USS Acorn. Hit that like button. If you're not subscribed, please get subscribed and ring the hell out of that little bell. Join me next time for the Tokyo subway sarin attack. It happened March 20th, 1995 by members of the cult movement Am Shinrikyo. They released sarin, which is used in chemical weapons, on three liners of the Tokyo Metro during rush hour.
13 died and many injured and nearly 1,000 had temporary vision problems. Until then, this was the good, the bad and the pure evil.